Hello and welcome to the Seville Productions Purpose Podcast. I'm your host, Rupert McConnick, founder and EP at Seville Productions. I'm delighted today to have Bellen Frau, Global Communications Manager at the IKEA Group. Welcome, Bellen. How are you? Good morning, and super happy to be here with you. Wonderful. And um, and where are you at the moment, Bellen? I'm sitting in Copenhagen. I'm actually based in Malmo, Sweden, and live across the bridge. So I have the luck to, to be in two countries every day. <laughs> anyway, good morning, Bellen. Um, can you tell us about your background and where you're from and your career at IKEA and the various positions you've you've held? Tell us a little bit about you before you joined IKEA and who you are. I come from an economic background. I studied economics in Spain. I'm Spanish, uh, born in uh, Bilbao, north of Spain. And uh, after university, I, I worked for seven years in Deloitte, always in the auditing uh, sector. And uh, I had the opportunity to audit very different kinds of companies, which uh, was really enriching and also started my leadership journey there. And then at one point, uh, it was uh, IKEA was coming to town. Uh, they were opening the first uh, store in, in Baracaldo, in Bilbao, and they were looking for a finance manager. So that was my first position in, uh, in IKEA. From there, it's been a story of growth. I have had a lot of opportunities, which is very common in IKEA to have growth opportunities to grow internally. So I joined a, I joined a, a, a training course to become a store manager. And uh, it was in 2008 when I was uh, eight months pregnant, which is a story I always like to share because it's kind of sounds not so common that you get offered to to occupy a responsibility position when you are pregnant. I was offered to run a store, which was uh, already then a team of 475 people and quite a responsibility. So I I did that for uh, over three years. And then uh, there was the possibility to grow as CEO uh, in IKEA Spain. The store did fantastic numbers. I had a great team there. So I became CEO of IKEA in Spain and uh, during the years of the crisis. So for sure, an interesting period, challenging and definitely a period where I learned a lot and and I also enjoyed a lot. After that, I did have the opportunity to move. It's very common to move uh, into different uh, different countries, different roles. So I went to lead uh, IKEA in Italy. That was uh, under a transformation journey. And, and that was a super nice experience. My first experience outside of Spain it made me grow, no doubt. And I also had a, a great journey with the team there. And then uh, for years after... I had the opportunity to become deputy to the retail manager worldwide, Tolga Onku, and that I have been doing for three years. And and that gave me a huge possibility to grow because I was was the chairman of the board of different countries in in, uh, IKEA. So I definitely enlarged my my visibility of of the IKEA world and and of consumers and retail uh, and, and the external world. And then it's a little bit over a year now that I got the opportunity to lead uh, communications, something that I had always had the passion for. I, I, I believe a lot in the power of communication, uh, all kinds of communication, also uh, communication, personal communication and communication with the teams. I, I think it's it's really a, a trust uh, driver. And and uh, and since then, I've been uh, in this role, uh, enjoying, learning. Uh, definitely a growth story, which is 
is uh, maybe not so common outside, but it is quite common inside IKEA World because we we really empower people to to take different uh, different routes, different growth uh, paths. Uh. Well, I think it's smart because you know more about IKEA than a, a regular PR person might know because you've worked there for so long, so you're going to know all the details, right? That's that's the aim, that the communication is even closer to the business. So communications, how many people are in your organization, in your in your part of your team? Well, in my direct global team, is a little bit over 200 now. And then we have a team in every country where we operate. And you oversee all of them? That's a, that's a big job. Yep. Good for you. So, so I have a question. What's the difference between, just for, for me, actually, <laughs> and for the people listening, what's the difference between Inga, the Inga group and IKEA group? We, we are the biggest franchisee that operates IKEA brand in the world. So we basically operate like 95% of the IKEA stores, but there's also other franchisees operating in, in the IKEA world. That's the Inga group, is it? We are Inga group. So we are the biggest operator of the IKEA brand, yeah. Oh, I see. So you're essentially, IKEA is the um, umbrella and then the Inga group works under it. Exactly. Can you tell us about IKEA's commitment to your communities and what you focus on for your for your sort of ESG work? And, and that's sort of broader purpose. A broader question would be: Do you feel that you know brand purpose is important for IKEA? Mm-hmm. I love your question. I think uh, it is key. And at IKEA, for more than eighty years that we are celebrating this year, we have always viewed business as something that really goes beyond profit. No, and it's and it's really focused on on societal good. So uh, our vision, that is uh, our purpose, it's since day one. I would say <laughs> it's to create a better everyday life for the many. That sounds very simple, but it's very ambitious. So we have bold ambitions to play our part in in solving some of the challenges that we have in the world. And and we really believe that being successful and being a successful company, it's about creating value in all dimensions. So it cannot only be a financial dimension. Our aim is to create better homes that create better lives, that enable a, a better planet and, and that therefore turn, makes us be a better company. So uh, we, we also think that this is not only the right thing to do, but it also makes uh, business sense uh, because it, it is uh, why we, we measure and we report all our performance in, in all dimensions because we see that profit and purpose, if I can take it like this, go hand in hand. Wonderful. So can you tell us about uh, IKEA's commitment? Because that's that's the big structure. So yeah. I always ask, what's brand purpose, right? Because some people say it's just a little bit of nice to have, and other people say it's the entire purpose of the company. And you're saying really the latter. It's the entire purpose of the company, right? So so tell us a little bit about IKEA's commitment to communities and what you focus on in this in this sort of ESG space. Yeah, I would say that the purpose is really our backbone. So we take the decisions of everything that we have taken the decisions in the past, but also guides our future decisions. So our ambition, if you take it to ESG, is simple, but it's, uh, it's also ambitious to become people and planet positive by 2030. So we really want to balance uh, concretely economic growth and positive social impact with, with environmental environmental protection uh, at the same time. So to put you some examples, when it comes to planet positive, we, we are uh, extending the life cycle of our products, for example. We are working so that all our home deliveries have zero emissions. Uh, uh, so we are using, we are aiming to use 100% uh, renewable energies in the company. Now we are around 74%. We have invested uh, already three billion in renewable energy, and and there is uh, a commitment to reach six point five million. 
we are uh, aiming to become a circular business. We have a circular hub in every store where our customers can bring back IKEA products. So we have uh, this year, uh, I think 22 has been more than 42 million products that have received a second life. So it, it, it is uh, from, uh, I would say, from an umbrella of a vision, as you called it, to uh, facts in reality of how we are really aiming to reduce food waste, to reduce consumption, and, and to uh, offer really facts and proof points that that our purpose is, is, is really becoming a reality. And it's the same with the people part, where we are really promoted uh, to live a better life with the limits of the planet, With the, and then where we are very active with uh, topics like gender balance or LGBTQ rights or, you know, really making sure that uh, that we have a positive impact in the world because we believe that we have not only the possibility since we are so close to so so many homes, but we ho- almost have a responsibility. Wonderful. And also Sweden's kind of a leader in this stuff, right? I mean, you've got Greta Thunberg. Yes. <laughs> you, you literally, I read somewhere you don't have any waste because it's all recycled so thoroughly that everyone needs to kind of follow the Swedish model. I think uh, there is fantastic things in the Swedish culture that are really in the base of our company culture. Yeah. No, no, I think it's good. I, I, I celebrate that. And and also, isn't there a phrase in Sweden when you mend things that are broken? I can't remember what it is. It's a, uh, I just remember, it's like the Patagonia thing. Like you don't need to buy a jacket every year, just in a decent jacket, you know, kind of thing. And I think there's a Swedish phrase where you have a broken chair and you'll fix the chair. You won't go and buy a new one, you know. I don't know, but that is what we encourage. We really encourage to give a yeah. second life to things. So. Yeah, that's fine, yeah. I'll send it to you after this. I, I did read this somewhere. I thought that's really interesting. The sentence, but I can tell you that like 2 billion of our customers have used spare parts to repair and extend the life of the products because we are really encouraging that. So, yeah, definitely part of our culture. And there's, you know, SAP, I think the, you know, the, huge uh, corporation they they talk about sustainability in terms of is it zero emissions zero waste and zero inequality so those are which kind of is actually a good way of summing it up really so with that in mind you know with with the recent violence in ukraine and south sudan how is how is ikea supporting you know some of these refugee issues because i think that's from what i've read that's something which is a key part of of IKEA's initiatives, right? Definitely. So we have a philanthropic arm in the group that is the IKEA Foundation, and that's that does first-line intervention and present worldwide. And then we also do ourselves in Inca Group. We are very active with donations in Incas, in in-kind donations, and also. Uh, supporting uh, refugees to get employment. Uh, so we have uh, programs for uh, skills uh, to, to upskill refugees. And, and if I, I go concretely in Ukraine, for example, this means that overall within all the, the, different, uh, the different parts of IKEA, we have uh, given 55 million donations, uh, which I think is something to be very proud of. Uh, so it, it was 10 coming from us in Inca Group, but then 10 coming from Inter-IKEA, 20 coming from the foundation uh, and 10 coming from another foundation so I, I really think that we we speak with action I think we we believe action speaks it's nice to have nice words but it's also in these moments where you need to prove that uh, you go beyond words uh, we and, and we have also supported creating spaces with UNHCR and with UNICEF to receive refugee kids and families from Ukraine that we call them the blue dot spaces so, yeah, a lot of stories to tell you about and a lot of stories to be proud uh, about. And then, um, yeah, because funny enough, I was in I was in Switzerland a while back talking to some people at the UN 
And I said, what's a brand that leads in refugees? And they said, well, Ikea's just built this packing thing that you turn into a, a, a temporary shelter, right? And you won some awards for that, which I thought was kind of impressive. Yes. Yeah, the better shelter is called. So talking of like zero waste, you know, we've kind of talked zero emissions and zero inequality. Tell us a little bit about, just to keep on the subject of inequality, tell us about um, IKEA's recruitment for migrant workers. Obviously, there's refugees and there's immigrants who are moving for economic reasons, which is actually 90% of the people who travel around before Ukraine. Ukraine has obviously changed that balance significantly. But what is IKEA's role with migrant workers and refugees? Is it two separate things or is it one thing? No, I think it is one thing. Hey, we, we really want to be a company that's open to diversity and that's open to, that, that is inclusive. And that, of course, it's, it's open to, you know, the, all, all kinds of, of employees. And this is the beauty of it that is really part of our culture. So, as I said, we do have a specific program that is called uh, Skills for Employment that is supporting uh, refugees to get into employment because the, be- the the biggest barrier for them is to get that first employment and that first opportunity. So many of them we we train, we upskill, and then and then they find jobs outside. So not all of them uh, stay, but we know that uh, that almost two thirds of them are already employed. So that's something that makes us super happy, and uh, and we have uh, already have more than two. 2000 uh, through this program but I, I think it's as you say it's part of an inclusive uh, culture so uh, we encourage to have co-workers from different backgrounds from different uh, countries from different birthplace from different ethnicities uh, and and we also support co-workers mobility you know like my case I'm a Spanish and I started in Spain moved to Italy now working in Sweden living in Denmark so I think it's part of our culture to really embrace uh, the differences and the beauty it brings to have the, this diversity of, uh, of backgrounds and uh, nationalities. Well, it's, it's a sort of big Europe, isn't it? Which is a good thing because it's less likely to be a war in Europe apart from the current one. <laughs> so um, how do you communicate brand purpose with consumers without purpose watching? I would say the the most important thing is to be honest. It's we are honest and consistent in all we do, so we are not perfect. Yeah. And uh, we have communicated, like if if you say the way that we have uh, phased out the single plastic use, it's not one thing that you do overnight. But it's you know we have been honest. Okay, this is an ambition. We're gonna do it, and we have not stopped until we have phased it out. Or you know, with the same with single-use batteries or with the incandescent lighting. So I think it's about uh, having the purpose as clear as we have and be and be purpose-led in, in every decision you make, and then being at the heart of everything. I, I think our customers understand that they can trust us. So that when we really uh, mean that we want to do something and when we address it in an honest uh, and clear way. We will get there. And we have, I think, through the years, built this credibility. And then one one thing that uh, for us is super important is that uh, we study the life at home. So we are one of the, or we, we run every year the biggest life at home study. And that is very important also to understand really how consumers live, to understand we do 37,000 uh, surveys to make sure that we understand how people live, how understand how, how what is important for them, and that we understand how what does trust mean for them uh, in, in the life at home uh, spectrum. Wonderful. So um, do you feel like sustainability and cost efficiency are at odds? 
Oh, I love this question because I believe they're not only not odds, but they are twins. (laughs) One of our core values in IKEA, and I I think this has to do a lot from the place of uh, Sweden where we were born. Uh, That was a place with not so many resources. So one of our core values is to be cost conscious, uh, so cost and resource conscious, if I can say. So I, I think that we are taking bold steps to contribute to our commitment to become climate positive and, and, and circular business by 2030. And that also forces us to reduce energy consumption or uh, uh, you, like using renewable energy, using zero emissions, using all, all these initiatives that, that we are taking, especially in sustainability, lead to less cost and, and lead to resource saving and at the same time are good for the environment. So I really think that we are proving that it's possible and that sustainability and cost go hand in hand. And I, I think it's a virtuous uh, circle because, you know, in our case, uh, our profits uh, get reinvested. 85% of our net c- income is reinvested in the company to secure that we continue to make IKEA more affordable, more accessible and more sustainable. So uh, the other 15% goes to support charitable activities. So I think we are constantly looking for for better ways that at the, at the same time allows us to have profit, that allows us to reinvest in the business. So it's really a virtuous uh, circle uh, and, and that proves that it is good business to be a good business. Uh, so we benefit from this both an approach. Uh, so purpose to guide our actions and profit to create the resources to invest in the future. That, that starts from, from the way that we, that we design the, the products. I have thousands of examples that I could share with you, but the way that we look at every product constantly to look for ways of using less material or ways of you know, saving, making it lighter, saving in the packaging, because all that re- reduces the impact in the environment and at the same time allows us to reduce the prices of the product. Uh, you know, I'm thinking of uh, the changes that we have made uh, recently to Clipan with uh, innovation in, in uh, one of the materials, uh, the laminated veneer, or the changes that we have done to the Billy bookcase that is also improving the circular capabilities and at the same time is removing the material. So we have a lot of challenges to do and we don't have all the answers, but I believe that uh, we are on our way. <laughs> Good for you. And uh, it's a question, I mean, IKEA is renowned for being a very cost, you know, cost-effective solution for the home, right? But that often doesn't go hand in hand with something that's going to last your lifetime. You know, coming back to the Patagonia jacket, you buy a fancy Patagonia jacket, it's going to last a lifetime. You buy a fancy pair of leather shoes and they're looked after, they'll last you, you know, for 50 years or what have you. So, you know, you want your bookshelf to last 20 years and so on. And we're in a, I'm not saying that IKEA doesn't, but we're in a very disposable culture. You know, you have to get a new phone every 10 minutes. Your, your computer is doesn't work. I remember when I was growing up, you know, my parents had the same TV for 15 years and it wasn't a big deal. No one really thought about getting a new TV. And now it's like you've got to get a new TV every two years or it doesn't work. <laughs> of course. I think responsible consumption is something that we are definitely on to. I mean, if I, I can show you here, but what I have in my back is an expedited uh, bookcase that has traveled with me 
from Spain to Italy, from Italy to, to Denmark and will continue with us. And I think this is one of the myths that we want to burst and why we are so active eh, with these circular hubs eh, where consumers can bring their, their uh, furniture that we can resell or with the spare parts because we, we really, we have based, and, and this is, uh, super important for us. We based all our design and every product is designed on the democratic design, which is the preconditions that are that are every product needs to accomplish. And in these preconditions, besides uh, the form and the function that is uh, obvious, it's the price, but it's the sustainability and it's the quality. And this Pentagon, it's a requirement from the very beginning. So quality has always been part of our equation. So what we what we want to make is good good design, affordable for the many, but not at any quality. So that that, that is definitely part of the equation. That's that's challenging. So so if you have a I don't know, is there a way to fix these things? Are you are you saying that you can take these back to IKEA or something? Or yeah, you know, you get a broken bookshelf and you take it to an IKEA. Yes, we have a circular hub in every store and it's a space where you can come, where you can get uh, spare parts, where you can get help or you, where you can, if you don't need any more uh, your furniture, you can you can come and you can resale it uh, for the actual price. And that way we really want to give uh, Second Life to many more products. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. That's really cool. So why is brand purpose important for recruiting and retaining uh, talent? Well, I would say that it's, uh, it's important for everything, right? So if, if you look at the Edelman Trust Barometer, our consumers say that they buy or advocate for brands, like 60%, 63% of our consumers say that they buy or advocate for brands based on their beliefs and values. And, and they really uh, expect from business that they are a responsible business. And the same goes for, for co-workers. We know that it's a strong expectation from co-workers to work for a company that has a positive societal impact. And it's getting more and more important, specifically in uh, Gen Z. Uh, we have a survey, in a, also in the Trust Parameter of Edelman, that says that uh, Gen Z co-workers want to uh, 62% of them want to work with brands that uh, address societal in, uh, issues. So, yeah, the same that we see in customer goes for co-workers. If a brand has a clear purpose and supports many people, the co-workers get much more engaged because they believe that their daily work is contributing to a better world. And if I can be honest, that applies to me. You know, <laughs> it's, it's soon 20 years in IKEA. I never thought that this was going to happen, but I really feel that through my daily job, I contribute to a better world and there's no bigger satisfaction than that. Yeah, that's a good feeling. That makes complete sense. Um, what would you, what would your advice be for young professionals entering the workforce? For me, it's about uh, being curious, staying curious, uh, having courage, and uh, also I would add um, having passion. So I think that that makes the difference between looking at things uh, as complex as they are today and looking at them as complex challenges or looking at them as wonderful opportunities. So if you're curious about an area, if you have the courage to test and try and maybe fail and learn, and if you have passion, uh, I think I have learned through these years of experience and I don't want to sound too old, <laughs> but uh, talking from experience, if you put your passion and your confidence together, you really thrive. Uh, so that is my, my advice to really stay curious, have courage, put your passion 
And then also to make sure that the opportunities find you trained. So I really think that it's very important to have in mind that in this changing world, we also uh, need to be in, contain- in continuous learning. So we all need to be lifelong learners. Wonderful. Um, what are some, some things companies can do to help cultivate female talent or diverse talent? I was going to say, I think diverse talent is actually what we're looking for, because if if, I think it's about more action and less words, you know, you see a lot of uh, a lot of places or companies or organizations that say, oh, yeah, yeah, we believe in diversity. And then you look at the picture and you say, no, that's not true. You know, in our case, we have uh, right now, I think it's 45 percent of all the female uh, CEOs of uh, of, uh, IKEA around the world are women. And we have also uh, most of uh, the management teams of the country are women. So, But I think it goes beyond gender balance. I think diversity in general is achieved as a result of a real inclusive culture. So not only as a goal of percentages. Uh, so I, what, I, what I think is that companies need to provide an inclusive culture and, and need to give a safe environment. Uh, and then... When gender equality, when diversity, when inclusion is a a reality, then it's just, you know, it it just flows because I think uh, it comes naturally, not as a result of actions. Uh, So one one concrete thing that I think is very good is to have real examples that because those are the ones that prove equal opportunities. You know, it's very encouraging if somebody tells you, ah, yeah, everybody can grow. But, you know, if you hear stories like what I just told you, you know, I got the opportunity uh, to grow when I was eight months pregnant or I got the opportunity to grow when I just had my third kid after my maternity leave. And, uh, you know, uh, when you see real examples of equal opportunities is that when you believe, okay, this is possible. Uh, We have uh, fantastic programs inside the company. And one of them that I'm very proud of is called Bloom. And it actually started from a program that we ran in Spain that was Viking. And and the aim is to fast track and develop talent. And and it's really thought in unleashing the full potential of strong, diverse talents and and ensuring that they get the preconditions to thrive. And, you know, when you see that this is a living reality and happens year after year and people get opportunities, then this creates a a culture that that where where it really becomes a, a reality. Um, in closing, can you tell us about an upcoming IKEA initiative that you're excited about? Oh, there's so much going on. I don't know if you have been uh, following our news lately, but we are like hitting the city centers. We are. Uh, we just uh, last night we opened a store in San Francisco, uh, and the second one in Toronto also. I think one upcoming thing that gets me excited is the the launch of a storage across the home campaign that we are now launching with the back to back to school campaign. Uh, is we have really got camped together, like uh, the, the range part of IKEA, communication, marketing, the, the retail design that are the responsibles for visual merchandising. And, and we have worked closely in our company to create a strong plan uh, for, for a leading tendency in life at home, that is the storage across the home, but also is a, is a field where we are recognized as, as the leaders in life at home for storage. I think the need for a smarter storage has never been so big in everyone's life. And, and also when it comes to recycling, we've been talking about sustainability. Uh, it's, it's very important to have the right storage to promote a, a more sustainable life at home. So we are obsessed in, 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 in this campaign and really offering affordable solutions uh, for the many people. So I think this, this is uh, what comes next in the agenda. Wonderful. 
So, uh, so Bellum, it's been wonderful having you on. You've been very um, educational, and I've learned quite a lot. And um, I'm glad you joined us. So thank you very, very much. The same, Rupa. Really, really grateful to, to be here with you. Thanks for this opportunity. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Seville Productions Purpose Podcast. Learn more about Seville Productions and our work in the purpose and sponsored entertainment space at www.sevilleproductions.com.